Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Those of you here in the room and those of you joining us online, we're glad that you're with us on this Sunday morning as uh, it's a little bit warmer in here than it is outside, at least. Uh, We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you very much. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Thank you, God. Uh, for the good news that we celebrate each and every Sunday, but especially this time of year as we make our way toward Christmas, celebrating this uh, amazing gift of your love in your son, Jesus Christ, celebrating that you are here with us. And so we do come today, God, here here we are to worship you, to give ourselves to you, to acknowledge uh, your worth, to acknowledge uh, the glory that you should be given, the, the appropriate place you should have in our lives. God, we don't want to just uh, make this Advent, Christmas season, uh, uh, a sentimental thing about, uh, you know, getting together with family and all the, all the stuff we see on Christmas cards or whatever. God, we want to acknowledge that Christ, when you came, you came as king. And that's what, uh, that's what we have the opportunity to recognize each and every day of our lives. Uh, that you're not just a, a nice little something that we pull out every now and then to, um, you know, put in a manger and put on our table or something like that. But you're not just this little side piece to our lives. Lord Jesus, you are, well, you're Lord. You are King. You are the Prince of Peace. You're the King of Kings. And we celebrate that today, that you have entered into our messed up world to make things right, starting with us. So God, today we we ask that you would make things right in our hearts and in our minds. You know what we walk into this time with, all the the struggles, all the anxieties, uh, all the griefs, all the failures and frustrations. God, you know all that we carry with us into this time, into this place. We ask that you would make things right in our hearts, that you would heal us where we're broken, strengthen us where we're weak, forgive us where we have failed that your grace would do its transforming work in our hearts, in our minds, so that, so that we can know ourselves to be a people loved by you. And so that we can live in this world as, as people who are ready to go, <laughs> to tell it, to, to share your hope, to share your peace, to share your joy, to share your love. Thank you, God. Thank you that today you invite all of us into this time, into this place to worship you. Not just the good people, not just the people who have it all together. You invite all of us, God, to come to you and experience your love and your grace and your peace. Thank you. Thank you for throwing the doors open wide to us and inviting us to come and be embraced by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. Now, in the olden times, uh, way back before COVID hit, now is when we would take a couple minutes to gr- greet each other and shake hands and, and say hi to somebody that you haven't said hi to yet. But right now we're just waving and looking around the room and saying like, oh, you're here. Hi, I hadn't seen you yet. Hi, oh, good. I hope to talk to you later. You know, so take a second, look around, say hi to somebody, and, uh, and then you can have a seat. Um, uh, thank you guys for leading us this morning and, uh, and Denise for getting up here for the very first time, having the courage to stand up and to sing. That's awesome. Love that. Um, this is uh, this is a whole lot of fun to be a part of this to be a part of this church. And we had a whole lot of fun here Wednesday night. I, I feel bad for those of you who didn't come and, and be a part of the gospel explosion that we had uh, here for World AIDS Day on Wednesday night. But it was it was all kinds of good. So um, and some of you are like, why are you 
talking right now. Isn't Pastor Judy usually the one that gets up and prays after we sing? And, and she is filling in at another church today. And, and uh, Jason, our youth director, he's off. Uh, his godson's getting baptized at another church. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like just us today, uh, which is nice. So, um, by way of announcements, uh, there is, uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out a little digital connect card and you can give online as well if you'd like to do that. Uh, those of us in the room, you can just back there in the back, there's a box. You can drop a, a gift in there if you're making a, a gift today. And, uh, and there's a little green cards that we would love to hear from you, how we can pray for you. Just know that you're with us today, um, especially if there's something you're thanking God for or something we can pray for you about or you have a question or some way we can help. Uh, we would love to be able to come alongside you, especially at this time of year when, uh, when things can be uh, challenging. And uh, when, the, when the days are getting shorter and the nights are getting longer, it can be a rough, a rough patch. So if you need to talk to somebody, just let us know. Reach out through the digital connect card or through the little cards here. Just uh, let us know. We would love to, to come alongside you and encourage you, pray with you. Uh, if you are giving today, uh, I wanted to let you know, um, actually, is it on the back of this thing? Yeah, I don't have anything up on the screen at this point, but, you know, we've been uh, giving toward this Habitat project, and, uh, you know, our initial goal was $6,000, and there was somebody going to match all of that, and you guys blew through that goal, and so they came back and said, you know what, we'll match up to $10,000 if you give it, and uh, we've been making progress toward that goal. If you look at the back, we are currently at like $9,093. Actually, we just, somebody gave just this morning, I happened to see, they gave online, and it's like, nine, we're just over $9,100 right now. Uh, so if you have been holding off, and you've been wanting to give toward that Habitat house that is almost, I don't know how far along it is. I haven't driven by lately. It's, it's almost totally built. Um, if you want to help with that project, you can still give. You can just mark your gift habitat or you can uh, hit the little drop down on the online thing and give specifically to the habitat fund. And uh, that'd be super helpful. Our, our goal is for all of us just to participate in some way, whether you're giving a dollar or a hundred dollars or whatever you're giving, uh, every little gift helps to provide that house for that family. And, uh, and also, during the month of December, especially I'm feeling it as the cold air like wafts in every time we open that door, uh, there are folks that, um, uh, that are struggling to keep the bills paid, to keep themselves housed, and so uh, there's a warm-a-home tree out in the foyer that you can take one of those little houses off if you'd like and, uh, and make a gift to First Contact, or if you're giving online, you can go to the, you can hit the little drop-down, there's like a good neighbor fund, a warm-a-home uh, uh, Thing you can click on there and give to that. That all goes to a group called First Contact here in town. They want to be the first contact for folks who don't have a church to go to. Folks who have a church to go to come to their church, and, and you know we help folks. Just this morning, somebody was coming to me and saying, hey, I'm going to need a little bit of help with rent, and, and we've got a fund for that. But folks who don't have a church family they can turn to, um, they go to First Contact so they don't have to go to a dozen different churches, and they put them in touch with all kinds of resources. So if you'd like to help a neighbor this year, you can give to that, uh, that warm-a-home tree you can give to First Contact, the Good Neighbor Fund. Um, there's a couple other things coming up. You can see we're going to have a lot of fun with the Blues Project concert on the 21st and, and our Christmas Eve service on the 24th. But, uh, but tonight, actually, we are um, going to be welcoming a family that's going to be staying at our church with, uh, with Family Promise. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Several of you are coming uh, I sh several, seven of you to be specific, are coming to bring dinner uh, this week because they're going to stay here Sunday night, Monday night, all the way through Saturday night, and they'll be leaving next Sunday morning. Um, and this is a family that needs a place to be, needs a place to stay. And so you guys have decided to join several other churches in Porter County to say, you know what, we'll open our building, we'll, we'll make a place for them to stay, to be safe, to make sure they've got a good dinner. And uh, several of you are going to be coming and staying overnight. Uh, thank you for that, especially. Uh, I think we've got maybe one more night that we could have someone come and stay the night, and, uh, or I can do it, I suppose. Um, 
which I'm open to. I've done it several times before, and, uh, and I've lined things up, Stacy. It's a night that I won't be conflicting with anything else, so uh, hopefully. So we'll see, I think. So uh, if you'd still like to be a part of that, let me know. We can, we can figure something out. Uh, and this won't be the last time we do this. The, the idea is that like four times a year that we would be giving a week to providing space for a family, making sure that, uh, that everyone in our, in our community that needs a place to stay has a place to stay. So, all right, that's, I think that's it for announcements that we need to, to touch on this morning. Um, you've, you've got some notes for this morning's message. We've got, uh, um, uh, there, there'll be stuff that'll be on the screen in just a minute, but this is not on the screen. Um, oh, and I, I guess I should mention it. There's, there are these books. You can take one for free, all right? They're out there on the, on the table. I think we've got, I don't know, 10 or 15 of them still left out there. If you have not grabbed one of these yet and you want one, it's a daily devotional guide. takes us through this season of Advent. And uh, this last week was, was really good stuff um, about the, the hope that we have and, and the light that Christ is in our darkness. And uh, this week's theme is peace. And so if you've read today's already, you've got a little sneak preview into what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And, and I've already been reading this this coming week's looking ahead, and it's good stuff. So if you haven't grabbed one of those books yet, please do. Or if you have a friend you'd like to give one to, we've got enough extras at this point. You can go ahead and take one and, and give it to a friend. Um, we'd love that. But it's called Come Peasant King, uh, the, the devotional is. And that comes from this, this um, Christmas carol, What Child Is This? We're in the, was it the third or fourth? I can't remember now which verse it is. I printed it in your notes there. That says, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. It's this reminder that Jesus comes for everyone. Whether you're a peasant, like the shepherds who were coming to him, or whether you're a king, like the wise men, or whoever they were, the magi, uh, who came and and saw the baby Jesus and brought their gifts. We are all invited to come to Jesus, to, to make him our own, to recognize that he is the king of kings, that he is bringing salvation, that in our loving hearts we can enthrone him, recognize him as king. All right, last week... I should have lit this candle already. What's that? We've got the heat up. I know, it's cold. Every time that door opens, there's a blast of cold. The wind must be blowing just the right direction to, to come and nail us. So uh, last week, we lit this, uh, this first Advent candle for hope. And I was supposed to light that before the service started. Don't tell anybody. And, um, and we have different people coming each, each Sunday to come and, and read and lead us in a responsive reading. Come on up. Denise is coming back up. She's going to lead us in a responsive reading as, as we light the second Advent candle. Uh, today's theme is, is peace. Today we light the candle of peace, not as a denial of the places in our world and lives that lack peace, but as a reminder of our call to peace even in the midst of turmoil. May the light of peace be a reminder to seek peace in our hearts lives and the world amen we know that the path toward peace isn't easy the path toward peace isn't smooth the path toward peace is risky takes courage and challenges the broken realities of the world and we've learned peacemakers in our world amen for peace to come we must get to the hard work of aligning a world made crooked by sin with the straight paths of the kingdom of god For peace to come, there is creative work that makes valleys of despair into mountaintops of hope. For peace to come, there is repetitive work that stands away injustice to bring about the smoothness of equity. Without the work, without the challenge, and without upsetting the status quo, peace will not come. We join the Holy Spirit in actively seeking peace in the world around us. We remember that Christ as the Prince of Peace, but we also long 
for the day when Christ will return and we see the fulfillment of true peace in the world around us. May the promise of peace ignite us to action that the world around us may truly know the peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Denise. Oh, thank you, Denise, for leading us in that and helping us uh, not just listen to uh, this, today's theme, and, uh, but actually talk about, like, you know, that, 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 that reading really gets to where this message is going uh, with the idea of what it means to be a people of peace here. Now, I know for a lot of us, when we think of Christmas time, we think of peace, we probably are thinking about, like, oh, the nice images of the shepherds and the star and, you know, all those kinds of things. It's kind of, you know, the baby that doesn't cry and all those kinds of uh, miracles. Um, I'm not sure that's really what that looked like exactly, but, uh, you know, we have those kinds of images. But, but today, instead, uh, that's, that's, we kind of get some of that in Luke chapter 2, right? Um, Remember Luke chapter 2? That's the one that, uh, that uh, is it Linus that reads that in the uh, Peanuts uh, Christmas, Christmas thing? You know, the, the traditional one that we'll actually read it together on, uh, on Christmas Eve about in the days, you know, in those days Caesar Augustus decreed the tax be, or, uh, census taken. And, and so Mary and Joseph go and there's the baby and they're in the, in the inn, or in the manger because there's no room in the inn. That whole thing, you know, it, it seems very peaceful, especially when you're reading it in the semi-darkness of a Christmas Eve service. You know, it all, all seems very, very peaceful. But instead today we're looking at Luke chapter Three, uh, we're looking at this weirdo named John the Baptist uh, who is out in the wilderness with like a weird outfit and eating weird food, so probably had weird breath and nobody got too close as he was calling people to like repent. And, and you kind of picture him almost like the guys that you see sometimes with like the sandwich board sign, you know, the end is near and they got the bullhorn. And that was kind of John the Baptist. Not exactly the most peaceful image uh, to imagine. But let's read together from Luke chapter 3. These are the scriptures given to us and that, that Christians around the world are looking at today. It, it says, kind of like Luke chapter 2 starts by talking about who was, who was Caesar at the time of Jesus' birth. Now here we are, uh, it says, in the 15th year of the rule of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip ruler over Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias was ruler over Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives. That's the way this translation puts that word, repent. They were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it was written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. This is, uh, this is the passage that describes John uh, crying out, you know, preparing the way for Jesus to come. And here in this Advent season, we celebrate that Christ has already come, of course, but we're also looking forward to Christ coming again. We're looking forward to him coming and making all things right, making all things new. And so, um, much like Luke chapter 2, it starts out by talking about all these Roman rulers and emperors and, you know, tetrarchs and all this, whatever, these, these Roman leaders, these political leaders, and there's these religious leaders. And, and I think, when, when in, especially in Jesus' day, if you thought, okay, where is peace going to come from? Peace was going to come, well, in those days, peace, did come, peace came from the Roman army coming in and establishing the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome by basically wiping out all opposition. You know, they'd put an end to war by killing everybody who tried to do war with Rome, right? 
and then crucifying those who still thought they uh, should uh, you know, start an insurrection or something like that and humiliating them, killing them publicly. And, and after a while, people quit fighting back and there was peace, right? So to this world that, uh, where peace was established by the, uh, <laughs> the political might, the military might, uh, into this world where there were religious leaders like the high priests Annas and Caiaphas who were there in Jerusalem kind of ruling over the religion of God's people. God's word doesn't come to, through, and God's peace, the light that God shines into the world doesn't come through the political leaders or through those who had military might. It doesn't even come through the religious folks there in the capital city of Jerusalem. It said, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. This reminds us that as we go through life, as frustrated as you might be with the political process or what's going on politically or in Washington, D.C. or whatever, um, as, as powerless as you might feel, um, not being the person in charge of whatever's going on at church or, or in the community or whatever, God's word comes to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. God often uh, approaches us kind of from the outside, sometimes from unexpected directions. You may have experienced this in your own life at some point. You were looking for God to do one thing, and God sneaked in over here, right? Uh, you were thinking God was going to lead you this way, and that you're, you, know, you had everything lined up for that job or that house or that whatever, that relationship, whatever it was going to be. You thought, okay, I'm going this way, and then God sneaks in over here somewhere and says, oh, no, no. I got something different for you over here. I got this different job or this different relationship or this different whatever it might be. God doesn't always come to us in the expected way. And he certainly, when he comes to bring peace, doesn't do it, do it in the way that everyone else thinks it will happen. It's often not through the powerful, through the influential, through those who have a position of authority uh, or who are at the center of everyone's attention. God's peace, God's word, God's light comes to us often from the margins, from the outside, from the wilderness. Those places that if we're not paying attention, it is so easy for us to miss. So often coming through someone that we might be uh, likely to dismiss because they're not who we were looking for, right? God might send somebody into your life this season. Um, someone to help you or someone for you to help. God might show up somehow in your life in a way that you're not expecting, that I'm not expecting. We need to keep our eyes open, our ears open to hear what God wants to say to us. If we want to experience God's peace, if we want to not miss what God has to say to us, we might need to listen to those speaking from the margins, those, those whose experiences are very different from our own. Now, I know that's hard to do these days, because the people who are in charge of the political stuff, those who set the tone for much of our kind of national conversations, um, they have a tendency to, you know, we, we have a tendency. I'm just going to blame them. All right. We have a tendency to, to draw hard lines in the sand and to, to have our pitched battles, right? And, uh, you know, those guys over there are our are, are enemies and must be destroyed, and we have everything right, and they don't. And, and we, it's, it's hard for us to listen to people unlike us, people who aren't in our camp, people whose background isn't like ours, or whatever. And I think 
today's scripture is reminding us. We need to pay attention. God's word often comes through people in the wilderness who are not at the center of everyone's attention and the center of activity. That's what happened with John. He went throughout the region of the Jordan River, it said, calling for people to be baptized as a sign of their repentance, showing that they were changing their hearts and, and lives and, and wanted God to forgive their sins. Baptism is something that isn't super normal for us, right? Uh, today, we don't, you know, that's not something that happens in our day-to-day life, like people getting baptized. It happens in church sometimes, right? When people become a Christian, they get baptized. It's kind of the normal way to go about things. Or, or if you're a Christian parent, just like when, when we had, uh, had our boys and we adopted them, uh, once that adoption was all final and they were fully ours, then we, we had our, our boys baptized, right? Uh, sometimes parents choose to have their, their infants baptized. Uh, sometimes people wait until someone's older or if someone obviously comes to faith in Christ as an adult um, and they get baptized uh, sometimes water gets poured over their head or sprinkled, or sometimes they do the whole, you know, we pull out the whole uh, trough and we set it up out here and we dunk them, you know, all the way in the water. And uh, that's what happened to me when I was a teenager. Um, baptism is this sign of, you know, dying to an old way of life and rising to a new one. And in, and in John's day, baptism was something that the, the Jewish people he was communicating with here, they were familiar with this. People got baptized when they converted, and they were familiar with ceremonial washings and ways that they would do these things, but what might, was a little bit unique for John was what he was calling people to do as a part of that. They were, they were kind of being baptized into, well, that's what baptism means for us. Baptized into a new family, into a new community, into a new kingdom, a new citizenship. Our identity no longer is based on um, you know, where we've come from or who our parents were. Uh, that's, if you keep reading the rest of this, there's actually it's a part that I skipped right in the middle uh, verse, uh, of these where um, he's challenging folks who are looking to their, their heritage. And they're saying like, oh, you know, we're Abraham's kids. We're, we're, we're good Jews. We, we don't need all this repentant stuff. And he's like, oh, come on. Yeah, you do. We all need to repent. Some of us might think, you know, my, my daddy was a pastor. Mine was, you know. You know? Uh, my, I had good parents. I mean, I've always been a Christian or whatever. Well, we might still need to repent. We might still need to make sure that we're lined up with God, letting him change our hearts and lives we might still need to come to him for our sins to be forgiven. Doesn't matter who you've been. Doesn't matter who you are. He's inviting people to be baptized into this new relationship, to, to have this new citizenship, this new allegiance. Saying that they're, they're lining themselves up with what God is doing. He's preparing the way. And that's why Luke goes to the, uh, the scroll of Isaiah. And I, I let you know in a little footnote here, it's Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, those of you watching online, sorry, I didn't have that on the screen. If you want to look it up later, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3, 4, and 5 is what, what we just quoted there. That he is a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, every mountain and hill will be leveled, the crooked will be made straight, the rough places smooth, all humanity will see God's salvation. It's this language of like preparing the way for the Lord. It's kind of like a way of saying we're rolling out the red carpet for God to come. And to, and to show up and to do what he wants to do. And the way that that's done, Isaiah says, is we take those uneven places and we, we make them smooth. We, we level them out. The, the valleys get filled in. The mountains get lowered. It reminds me a little bit. Have any of you ever gone on like a road trip um, here in the USA? You know, you know some parts of this, this place where we live is, is fairly flat. You know, there's a little bit of hill every now and then. Or you go up to the dunes and there's some hills. But you travel to some other parts of, the, of our, our fabulous country and there are mountains and things, right? 
And if you're traveling on the highways, then you'll see places. I, I can still remember uh, for me, and, and we've started to show our boys some of this as we've traveled a little bit with them, um, you know, places where the, the highway, they didn't want it to just like have to go all the way up that mountain and all the way down the other. So they got in there with drills and dynamite and they blasted it out, right? And so like you're driving next to this big rock wall for a while because they're, they're trying to do what this is talking about. They're trying to kind of level things. Right? They're trying to make it so that the, the cars don't have to climb every mountain or go around every curve. They're, they're trying to make it a little bit straighter of a shot. That's kind of what he's talking about here. I, I've never done that kind of work, but it doesn't look easy, I gotta tell you. It doesn't look easy trying to make uh, places level, trying to make crooked things straight or rough places smooth. I'm not a very handy person. I'm trying to be more handy now that I've got two boys. There's like things I got to teach them and make sure they're comfortable and stuff. I, I was, we were real proud. We just had some family visiting yesterday and, uh, from, from out of state. And they, we had like a little early Christmas uh, with some of the presents because they weren't going to be able to be here for Christmas. And, and um, one of the things required you know, like some assembly, right? And I was real proud. The boys were like all excited. They were using the Allen wrench and putting the screws in. And some of it was backwards. I had to undo it later, but that was okay. You know, they were, they were, they're getting used to it. They're, they're getting, getting used to doing things with their hands. But one thing I've not done much of at all is like woodworking. And so the idea of like rough things being made smooth, you know, I, I don't have much experience with that. I've got experience with splinters, but I don't have experience with making those things smooth so that you don't get the splinters, right? Uh, there's all kinds of language in this Isaiah passage about things that are not easy, things that are not necessarily peaceful. You know, again, we think of peace and we just think like, ah, oh, you know, I don't, well, what, what do you think of when you think of peace? Uh, when I think of peace, I think of like, actually kind of right this time of year, especially I think of like sitting on a beach maybe, you know, there's like, there's some sun, there might be some sand, there's definitely water nearby, but not right on me, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in some shade, Stacy's in the sun, I'm in the shade, you know, and, uh, you know, that, to me, that's like peaceful. And if I'm going to be honest, there aren't twin five-year-olds running around, all right? Um, so my picture of peace does not involve those, those boys climbing on me and stuff. All right, anyway, we, we have these images of what peace looks like, and here the passage we're being, being given is not, it's not especially peaceful. It's, it's like all this language of, of doing hard work to, to prepare the way for the Lord by by like filling in valleys and, and knocking down mountains and, and smoothing out the, the rough places and straightening what's crooked. But this is part of what it means to, to prepare the way for the Lord. It's work for us to do in cooperation with what God is doing in the world, right? It's not just us. We never rely on our own strength. We're, we're doing what what shows that God is at work in our lives. Now, he gets into some of the nitty-gritty of this in the, in the following verses. I included some, starting in verse 8, uh, where he says, produce fruit that shows you've changed your hearts and lives. Or a transition I grew up with, uh, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, is how it was put. You know, produce fruit that shows that you really are having a change of heart, that you really are viewing to do things differently. Live a life that shows that this is true, not just something that you say to check a box, you know, on some religious checklist. And the crowds asked him, well, what then should we do? And he answered, well, whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. Whoever has food must do the same. Talked about this a little bit last month as we were talking about, you know, getting good at giving. And, and you know, why does God give us extra? Well, sometimes it's because that person doesn't have enough. And he knows if he gives you extra, he can trust you to give to help that person who doesn't have enough. When God hears and answers prayers, he does it through people. And so that's what John is calling them to do. 
says this is a sign that your hearts and lives are changing, that when you have extra and that person has none that you, you share. That's kind of an image of like, okay, there's a valley in their life, there's a need, and, and you've got a little bit of a mountain there. You've got, it's, it's kind of leveling things out a bit. Tax collectors came to be baptized. They said to him, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more than you're authorized to collect, which is sad, but he had to tell them that, right? This, this wasn't like today where your taxes are all just figured out by some formula and you can know or your tax preparer can know or the software can know, like here's my income, here's the deductions, here's whatever, and pff, here's what I owe. It wasn't like that in those days. Tax collectors were kind of working with the Roman oppressors and uh, the way they got paid was they just kind of said, oh yeah, you owe... Uh, and they just kind of increased the amount you owe. They just kind of worked their gratuity right into that. You know, their pay, they just, they just kind of put it on top. And, they, and then they could use the force of Rome to actually collect that. And it's no wonder that tax collectors were not much loved, right, in that society. And so he tells them, you, you act with integrity. Collect no more than you're authorized to collect. Don't be taking advantage of people. He's talking to people who are at work in the economy of that day and saying, this has economic implications when we're repenting, when our hearts and lives are being changed, when we are preparing the way for the Lord, when we're showing by, our, by the fruit of our lives that God is at work, that we're looking forward to God making things right, that we're living in a different kind of kingdom, that, that we've got a different kind of citizenship, a different kind of identity by our baptism, by our commitment to Christ. It's going to impact the way our economics work. And through us Christians being a part of society, that doesn't just impact our own personal economies, that impacts you know, the, the place where you work, impacts the family you live in, impacts the neighborhood and the neighbors and the people that you, that you give to or that you serve. This has economic impact, the good news does. Soldiers asked to keep going there. Soldiers asked, well, what about us? What should we do? So there are some Roman soldiers coming out to hear this crazy man out in the wilderness. And he answered, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. He's talking to some military folks. He's talking to people who are caught up in the Roman Empire and, and their political establishment. And he's saying this has implications for you as well, that maybe our politics should be handled differently. In their case, don't cheat or harass anyone. I mean, how might our politics change if we were aligning our hearts and lives with, with God and what he wants for us? If, if we're trying to make things straight and smooth and equitable, and how might our politics change? Or just the way we handle even our political disagreements, shouldn't that look a little bit different for those of us whose hearts and lives are being changed by Christ? This is the, this is the path to peace that he's describing here. That's, that's what his father said. Uh, this is John, son of Zechariah. And if you read earlier in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 1, where uh, Zechariah was a priest, worked in the temple, and uh, an angel came to him and said, you're going to have this boy. And he's like, he thinks that's ridiculous because he and his wife are not, you know, having kids. And, and, uh, uh, and sure enough, you know, they, his wife is pregnant and they have a child and they name him John, just like the angel said. And, and uh, there's a whole thing with Zechariah being unable to speak uh, for a while because he didn't believe. And, uh, but finally, when the boy is, is born and they name him John like the angel told him to, he can, he can speak again. And we see in Luke chapter 1, he, he has this, he like kind of breaks into song. He had some time to kind of compose his thoughts as he couldn't talk for a while there. And, uh, and one of the things he says about his child who's just been born, who becomes John the Baptist, 
says, you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. What we've been talking about this morning, this hard work of, of peacemaking, I mean, this is, this is the path toward peace. This is a path toward a society where people can live in peace because not everyone can go sit on a beach, right? Not everyone can get away from their kids. Not everyone can get away from their troubles and their circumstances. And they, some people are stuck in a valley that feels you know, like a grave and they need someone to come along and to, and to lift things up for them. Some people have been on a, on a crooked path and need someone to, to help them get onto a straight one. Some people have been in a rough place and they need someone to come along and, and help smooth it out. This is the path to peace. And it's because of God's deep compassion for us. It's because his light has dawned. None of this is, um, none of this is the kind of thing that we Christians can like pat ourselves on the back for, or say, "Oh, aren't we good? Look at look at all the good we're doing in the world," or anything like that. I mean, it's it's good to cooperate with God and the work that He's doing. That's a beautiful, blessed thing. But it's it's just us cooperating with what God is is already doing. If we make it about something we're doing, then that that just turns ugly. If we try doing it by our own strength, we find ourselves overwhelmed stretch past our breaking point, try to do things with our own resources. This is God at work and us preparing the way for him, us lining ourselves up with what he is doing in the world, and and we have a chance to help be a part of the the peace that he brings, the, the shalom, the wholeness, the peace. We can live on the path to peace. This is what John calls us to. It involves repentance. It involves us acknowledging, I have not always been living in a way that, that smooths things out. I have not always been living in a way that leads to peace. So often I've been living in a way that just kind of helps me. And uh, there's something that uh, actually uh, Pastor Metcalf mentions in her devotional today, but, but I didn't include in here is one of the things that John the Baptist says at some point, I think it's in John chapter 3, talking about Jesus says, he's, he's got to increase, I've got to decrease. This is about Jesus getting bigger and me getting smaller. And that's, that's part of this path to peace. This, this is us acknowledging like, okay, God, I repent. I've, I've been making this about me and what I can do and what I can accomplish, and it's not about me. It's about you and the work you're doing in the world, and, and I want to I prepare the way. I want to make it easier for people to encounter you. I want to I smooth the path. I want to roll out the red carpet. I want to I help people see you show up in their lives. I want to walk on the path to peace. I want to help those who are currently sitting in darkness in the shadow of death. I want them to be able to see your light dawning because of your deep compassion, because you have forgiven our sins. You've forgiven us for the ways that we've contributed to the problem, and now we get to be a part of the, of the solution, of helping people experience peace, wholeness, life. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a blessed thing to be a part of. That's why Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, as uh, the last scripture I put there in your notes, in Matthew chapter 5, as he's proclaiming blessings on those that other people would not have blessed, on the meek, on the mourning, on the hungry, Jesus proclaims blessing. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. He says, they're the ones doing what their heavenly father is doing because they are doing the hard work of making peace. 
it is so much easier for us to just kind of keep peace. You know, we've, we've talked about this comparison before, right? Between the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Coming off the, off the heels of uh, Thanksgiving and, and looking at times of family gatherings, uh, sometimes it's, it's kind of all we can do is just kind of keep the peace, right? It's like, oh, I'm just not going to bring up that topic. I'm just not going to talk. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to bring that up because I know it's just going to you know, stir a hornet's nest. It's going to get ugly. And so we just kind of keep the peace. And sometimes, unfortunately, we, we make that a habit like of our whole life. And things that really do need to get addressed, things that, broken things that need to get healed, uh, ugliness that needs to get unearthed and repented of and forgiveness needs to get offered, sometimes those things just end up staying under the surface and, and man, then that's, that's when like it gets infected and nasty and, and things die instead of bringing it out where there can be healing and forgiveness and, and life, where, where there can be peace, peace that is made not peace that's just kind of kept under the surface. It's not easy work that God calls us to. It's not easy uh, work that John uh, calls us to, to, to repent, to be a part of preparing the way for the Lord, to be a part of this new kingdom that, that Jesus calls us to be a part of, to be peacemakers like our Heavenly Father is a peacemaker. It was not easy work that Jesus came to do, Right? He comes to us and enters into our brokenness and experiences the brokenness of it all to the point that it kills him. That wasn't easy for Jesus to do. He didn't take the easy way out to just kind of keep the peace. He did the the hard work to make peace, true peace possible for you and for me, for us to experience what, what John talked about, the forgiveness of our sins, for us to experience a transformed life for us to experience his light dawning in our darkness, for us to experience a life that, that we get to experience in place of the death that our sin brings. This is what we get to be a part of as we live here in the world. So let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you for making peace for not shying away from the, the difficult work. Thank you that for us, we have been able to come to you. You have made it possible for us to come to you and, and to confess our failures and to repent, to turn away from them so that we can experience your forgiveness. God, today as we think about you know, mountains and valleys and crooked and straight and and the rough things being made smooth, God, we acknowledge so many times we have been part of the problem. Or at the very least, we haven't been part of the solution. We've just kind of been content to keep the peace and to not rock the boat and to just let the status quo continue. And God, you weren't satisfied with that. You still aren't satisfied with that. So would you give us the the courage that we need to line our lives up with you, to have our hearts and minds and lives changed by your love, by your grace. God, there's going to be work that you want to do in our lives. There are things that you're going to want to change in us. And there are changes in the world that you're going to want us to be a part of. If if we'll pay attention to you, if we'll listen to your voice speaking from the margins, 
from people who aren't like us, whose experiences have been unlike ours, if we will listen to our, our neighbors, to our brothers and sisters who are speaking, of what their experience is like living in that valley, then perhaps, God, you will you'll give us the, the privilege of being a part of your good work, of lifting up those valleys, of bringing down those mountains, of straightening out the crooked paths, of making the rough places smooth. Thank you, God, that you see us when we are stuck and you love us and you don't leave us there. Thank you for those who have done the hard work for us in our lives, who have been there for us, those people that your grace has flowed through so that we can experience it. Thank you, God, that we have the opportunity for your grace to flow through us to make a difference for people living in the world today, all around us, who need some hope, who need some peace, who need some joy, who need to know that they are loved by you and by us. Thank you, God. Today, we thank you that we get to celebrate this sacrament of Holy Communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice, praying that by your Spirit's presence here among us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Knowing that this is not um, just some religious ritual, but this is a chance for us to remember the great love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ, your willingness to do the hard work to bring us peace. So God, today, we thank you once again, for the forgiveness that you offer us in your son, Jesus Christ, we offer you ourselves. And we pray that by your spirit's work in our lives, we might find ourselves forgiven. We might find ourselves set free. We might find ourselves set on a, on a straight path. That we might find ourselves transformed by your Holy Spirit's work within us so that we can participate in the good work you're doing here in the world so that by your Spirit's work in our lives, we might be transformed and live as the body of Christ, as your hands, as your feet. Thank you, God. Thank you for this amazing grace, this amazing love that you have shown to us as you have come into our lives to save us, to redeem us, to make us new. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and, and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with a, a basket of bread and a, and a cup of juice. As, as we sing, you're invited to come forward. You're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, or if you'd prefer, uh, we've got the little individual cups uh, there at your tables. Uh, if you don't want to get close to folks and, and get in the line together, that's, that's okay. Uh, you can grab some off of a table or there might be some back by the offering box. Uh, otherwise, we do have some of those also in this in this basket if you want one of the little individual ones. But um, this is open to all of us today who are saying yes to Jesus. 
All of us are saying, okay, God, I, I, I thank you. I need your grace. And uh, this is a chance for us to receive that grace in a, in a tangible, touchable way. So uh, this is open to you if today you're saying yes to Jesus. So let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. Thank you, God, for the salvation that you bring to us, for your good word that approaches us sometimes from surprising directions to remind us of, of the path that we can get on that leads to peace. Thank you for the grace you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Would you fill us with the spirit of Christ today so that as we leave this place, we might go as, as bearers of your light, of your grace, of your peace, of your joy, to carry that to people around us who, who so desperately need to know that there's a God who loves them, that there are people who love them. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.